Hello, welcome to On Mike. Jordan here. As one of the most decorated Olympic gymnasts in American history, my guest today knows all about what it's like to face challenges. She is the one and only Shannon Miller, seven-time Olympic gold medalist. But not too many years ago, she competed against a very, very, very serious adversary. In 2011, during an annual exam, Shannon's doctor discovered a growth on her ovary, later diagnosed as ovarian cancer which is the fifth leading cause of cancer death in women. And about 22,000 in the U.S. are likely to be diagnosed with ovarian cancer annually. Well, today, Shannon, thankfully, is cancer-free, and along with her other activities as mom, author, women's health advocate, and on-air commentator, she's taking on the cause of ovarian cancer awareness and is an ambassador for the Our Way Forward program, which we'll certainly talk about. She's a dynamic, energetic, and inspiring lady, and I'm thrilled to have her as a guest. Shannon Miller, let's go on mic. Well, Shannon, it's delightful to uh, to meet you. And shall we start off by saying, "Go Eagles"? <laughs> I guess we can. Yes, we can always start with that. BC, I'm noticing BC Law family. School. Come on, you <laughs> got to start with that. That's since, right. That's right. <laughs> since I'm in Boston, Doug Flutie land. Anyway, lovely to make your acquaintance, and I know you're quite an accomplished individual. But first off, I'd like to talk about sports and the Olympics and all the amazing achievements. Here's a dumb question, but I'll ask it anyway. Do you have all of your medals and awards in one place? I do not, no. <laughs> they, they're a bit spread out. The Olympic medals are together. Most of the world medals are together. And then everything else is kind of between my parents and me and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if anybody's ever asked you that, but I'm always curious because... No, I think that's the first time, but it's uh, a good question. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a few knick-knack and awards here and there that I, I have in boxes. I don't know where they are, but you certainly have, <laughs> have several to crow about. Let's take it back a little bit, and we're, we're going to talk about the health issue you dealt with successfully and your foundation. I want to get to all of it, but when you're starting out as a gymnast in high school or even before high school... It's such a grueling sport to begin with, but then to actually make it to the Olympics, what kind of family support is necessary for you to be successful at this? Because it seems like it's a lot to ask for from everybody. Well, you know, as a, as a parent now of, of two children, I appreciate every day more and more everything that my parents did for me. <laughs> I would say driving just to and from was probably the biggest um, time drain for them and mm. their days. I just, I don't understand how they did it, but they made it work between the three of us kids and our different activities. But I think growing up, we just didn't know any different. We didn't know any better, I guess. We, we went to our after school sport and mine just happened to be gymnastics. And I went for four hours and eventually longer than that. But I just kind of assumed that's what everyone did. Yeah. And <laughs> My parents just took me, and, it, you know, it was kind of one of those things we fell into, and my vision was always kind of the next goal. Can, can I make it to the state competition? And then when that happened, it was regionals, and it was just continuing to set my sights on the next step. And all of a sudden, at age 14, the next step happened to be, can I make the Olympic? Can I make the Olympic team? <laughs> And so it's just been a crazy ride, but I think it just goes to show, you know, that incredible support that you have. It's, it's not just the team that's out on the floor with you. It really is the team that's with you and behind you the entire way, helping you out. It's fascinating to me that you can be on an Olympic team 
representing a country the size of the United States at the age of 14 in that particular athletic endeavor, right? I mean, it's it's a young person, a real young person sport, isn't it? Well, I think, you know, in, in athletes these days, they are proving that it's not just a young person sport, which is really incredible. Um, and, and I think it, it goes uh, a, a big way to show that there is some longevity. If, if you want to keep going, there's a way to do it. So I think that's fantastic. But I think... Um, in 1992, that my first Olympics, I had turned 15. I had just turned 15, and I'm not sure I truly understood the magnitude. Mm. We didn't have social media. We didn't have um, all of those things. So you just really didn't understand that the world was watching, and that might that might have been beneficial <laughs> and probably less stressful. Uh, you know, you just went out there and tried to do your very best. But certainly when you put on a red, white, and blue leotard and you've got USA across your back, you want to go out there and Mm. do your very best. What's it like when you're not in front of the camera on the balance beam or doing whatever, but you're just sort of hanging around waiting for your turn? Are you, I know you're nervous and excited, but are you looking and talking at all with the opponents from the other countries? Is there any mingling? Is it strictly focus, focus, focus? Just curious what life is like when you're not actually performing. Well, I think it's different for different athletes. You've got athletes that do like to mingle about and kind of stay distracted so that they don't get nervous. You've got athletes that like to watch the leaderboard. I was kind of the opposite, but I was also very shy growing up, painfully shy. So I didn't do a lot of talking anyway. So I just really stood on the sidelines. I never looked at the leaderboard, and I just went through my routines. I visualized my routines over and over and over up until the moment that I saluted the judge. Hmm. Well, how important then has coaching been in your life? Because it's not just the physical, but it's the mental training that you need. And sometimes a mentor can do that. Is that the case with you, Shannon? It is. I was so blessed to have um, incredible coaches. Um, I feel like my parents also had a good hand in keeping me grounded and, and helping me understand how to put things in perspective. Uh, you know, it can be overwhelming to think about going out and competing uh, for your country and or even just going out and competing a certain skill, but helping me kind of keep mm. that in, in reality check with, you know, hey, go do your chores and, and study for your math test kind of helped me um, balance life along with gymnastics. But I think my coaches did a really good job of helping teach me these incredible life lessons along with the actual gymnastic skills. Mm. And I really do think it's those life lessons that I've fallen back on time and time again, not just in my business and as a mother, but most certainly in my battle with cancer. Yes, which we will definitely touch on very, very soon. I'm, I'm still chronologically moving in that direction. But I, I did want to say that the mid-90s, you rocked it. You owned it. <laughs> and between the World Championships <laughs> and the 1996 team, which was an amazing collection of athletes all coming together. We see that every once in a while, but that was a special year, wasn't it? It was. It was a tremendous year. Um, We'll always hold a very special place in my heart. Uh, Three of the team members, of course, were in the 1992 Olympics together, so we held over. And I think it was a great mix between um, new athletes coming on and some of us old timers <laughs> um, yeah. staying there. And, and it was just this tremendous mix and this great time and this opportunity to compete on home soil. So you, you got to have the audience right there with you. Um, so it was, it was just incredible to think that you actually helped in some small way to make history in a sport is 
It's overwhelming to think about that, but we actually just celebrated our 24th anniversary of the 1996 Games, which is a little scary because (laughs) we're all getting much older, but it really is incredible to see how many people really do know exactly where they were and what they were doing when those games were on and when our team was competing. It's It's just incredible. We're talking with Shannon Miller, champion gymnast. Before we leave 1996, there was also something about 96 that everybody remembers, and that was the bombing in Atlanta. Where were you when that happened? I was asleep. Um, It happened, if I remember, very late at night, early Mm -hmm. in the morning. Um, So we we were all asleep. Uh, We were staying um, outside of the Olympic Village, actually um, on the campus of Emory University. So we actually didn't know about the bombing. Um, we weren't really watching television. And like I said, there, there was no social media or anything during that time. So we didn't find out till much later. And I think the coaches tried to mm. play it down mm-hmm. and not really talk about it that much because they didn't want us to be you know, worried about it and whatnot. And we did have um, security with us at all times. But it, it is very... Um, it, it's scary mm. um, to think that something like that could happen, but I'm I'm thankful that um, that we were I think somewhat right. sheltered right. at uh, that point. Just an interesting tidbit of not tidbit, but an interesting facet of that Olympic Games. Let's talk now about post Olympics and post athletics for you. With sport, everything is either great or not so great. You either win or you lose. Sometimes <laughs> losses are heartbreaking, but life throws curveballs at us as well, and you had a major one in, I believe, 2011. Let's talk about your discovery that you had a very serious form of cancer. Yes, in 2011, January of 2011, I was diagnosed with a rare form of ovarian cancer. Um, Not something I saw coming. In fact, uh, I realized afterward that I had three of the primary symptoms of ovarian cancer that I didn't even think to tell my doctor. Things like severe stomach aches and bloating. Um, I lost six pounds in a month, and I I just attributed that to um, losing weight after I had my son. I didn't think of it as a a difficult health issue. And I went in for a doctor's appointment the um, fall of 2010, telling my doctor I felt fine. And in that same appointment, he found a baseball-sized cyst on my left ovary, which sent me into um, weeks of tests and scans. And in January of 2011, I had surgery to have the mass removed. So I actually didn't find out it was cancer until I woke up from surgery. And I think for me at that point, I had been almost kind of in this <laughs> numbed state. Um, so many questions and so, many, so few answers that complete loss of control leading up to surgery, wondering what the future would hold if there was a future. And then after learning that it was cancer and the plan of action, what we were going to do for treatment, we didn't necessarily know where I was going to end up. (laughs) But I think for me, having a little bit of that control back, understanding that there was now a plan of action, I think that helped me revert to some of that competitive mentality Mm. that I knew so well through sport, the idea of goal setting and teamwork and positive mental attitude, things like that. We all have been touched by cancer at some point in our lives. 
my first wife passed away from from a different form of cancer. But the fact of the matter is, is she survived and thrived more years than we thought because of her attitude and because of that sense of having a plan. So the plan for you involved what radiation treatments or uh, not radiation? I'm sorry, uh, chemo. I went through a- Chemotherapy. So I went through a pretty aggressive uh, chemotherapy regimen, and that was going to give me the best chance of non-recurrence. So we we called it the sprint. (laughs) Nine weeks of um, really, really tough. And for me, I have no doubt that that was the toughest thing I've ever Mm -hmm. had to do in my entire life. Mm -hmm. Um, It was grueling, and I wish that I had had more of a community that I could have reached out to because at the time, not only did I not, I was not aware of the signs and symptoms of ovarian cancer. That was not something that, that was not a type of cancer that I thought I needed to really know about in my early 30s. And of course, now we know differently. But it was also not a type of cancer that I knew anyone that had ever gone through it. Including including relatives, including anybody in your family? Correct. Right. And my form does not seem to be genetic, and no one in my family um, has had ovarian cancer. So I, I felt very, very alone. Um, I didn't really have an outlet to talk with anyone about it that, that actually kind of knew where I was coming from. My mother is a cancer survivor, different form of cancer, so that was helpful. But I can't imagine having a community, and that's one of the reasons why I'm so excited to work with GSK and mm. partner on their Our Way Forward campaign their program, because it does allow for those very honest um, conversations about ovarian cancer, the diagnosis, yes, the physical challenges, but also the very unique emotional challenges that come along with it. I think for many, they hear the the term cancer, that's bad enough, but when they hear ovarian or other particularly nasty forms, uh, they tend to even want to turn away and not even discuss it. Did you find that people, maybe not close, close friends, but some people just wanted to ignore you and stay away because they might not say the right thing or they might feel uncomfortable around you? Did that happen to you? I don't know. I don't know that that happened. I can't say I haven't felt that way. I mean, if you do, when you hear of you know a certain diagnosis, it is hard not to feel that devastation inside for that other person, and you don't want to say the wrong thing um, or do the wrong thing. And I think the best thing for me was I I was surrounded by an incredible team of people, yes, nurses and and doctors, but friends, family, neighbors, um, you know, we have coworkers. Everyone was willing to pitch in and help out, whether it was bringing over food or my poor husband that had to eat his you know, spaghetti out in the hallway of our condominium because I could, I could not take the smell. I understood. <laughs> I, I, just, yeah. I couldn't yeah. stand the smell of marinara. Und- understood, so, yeah. You know, it's every little bit right. that helps. And I think what I found was um, during treatment, it was incredible. And I, I didn't feel maybe as alone because I was receiving that help. I think often what happens is the day treatment ends that's when you feel the most alone, and that's really where um, programs like this come into play and create that community for those questions and feelings that come along when treatment does end, mm. because your journey doesn't end at that time, and a lot of times that support drops off overnight. Everyone breathes a sigh of relief. 
you get to move on with your life. That's what everyone thinks, and that's what a lot of times as a patient you think. But you're still dealing with the physical. Um, For me, it was I was sick for a year after I finished treatment. I had neuropathy in my hands. I still deal with neuropathy in my hands. There are things that linger. And beyond that, it's the constant anxiety of will it come back? Every time you need to go in for a test, I still go in twice a year, and it's a difficult day. It, it drains you, and you try not to think about it, and you, you think positive, and I say my prayers, but it's a difficult day. Every it, time you get yeah. a stomach ache, yeah. did it come back? Those are the things that tend to linger. Well, what you're doing now is, by sharing your story, is really helpful to so many people. Tell me more and share with us more about the work you're doing with this organization and how people can tap into it. Well, I'm, I'm so fortunate um, to be able to share my story, and and hopefully it will be a story of hope for, for so many others. But I am super excited to continue partnering with GSK on their Our Way Forward program. And what this program does is it encourages women with ovarian cancer along with their loved ones, of course, their physicians, to really rethink how we talk about ovarian cancer. And what I love about this program is it addresses what patients are most in need of. (laughs) It is created with the patient's needs in mind, and that is important to get their perspective, their experiences, so that the content is tailored to address the physical issues, the emotional challenges that the disease brings, and be able to create this um, access to resources and stories that help address those conversations. Mm. So when you go to ourwayforward.com, you have a multitude of resources available. If you are not interested in sharing your story, you do not have to. (laughs) And some people don't. My mother is not a sharer. She said that I can share her story, but she doesn't want to talk about it. But still, to be able to go on Um, to a site where you can get information and listen to other stories. You don't feel as if you're going through this alone, and I think that's such a critical aspect. Ourwayforward.com. And by the way, this time that we're living in, which is so nutty with the pandemic, and it's sucking up everything in the room as it should, but we don't want to forget there are literally millions of people dealing with all kinds of things that uh, are not getting the attention. I'm glad we're giving it the attention that it deserves because cancer is still a huge challenge for so many people. So thank you for sharing that with us. Before we kind of wrap up here, a few more questions that are more fun <laughs> about the the world you live in. And when you still left the amateur ranks, so to speak, you, you became a professional on tour uh, with some of these shows. Uh, is there any hope that you and people in shall we say, a more experienced age range will do things in the future as as performers? Because <laughs> I don't know about you, but I respect and admire people who come back and uh, and dance or sing or perform when they're a little even more seasoned. <laughs> oh, I appreciate those words, seasoned and experienced. I'm very, very cautious uh, and careful <laughs> with my words. Um, you know, I think we always say once a gymnast, always a gymnast. Um, you, you do become kind of a performer because that's what you're doing. You're performing for judges, for that score. And then afterwards, going on tour, you get to perform for um, spectators, for that audience. And that is it's always so much fun. I was called back uh, many years to do the post-Olympic tours, and I had a blast with that. My last tour was... Um, after the 2008 Olympic Games. 
And when I was 40, <laughs> so just a few years ago, I actually got called in to, um, to host. Uh, it was a, a, a cancer um, awareness and education uh, show that uh, would, would make resort, uh, research money and, and funding available uh, for those dealing with cancer. And so I said, yes, absolutely. I'll, I'll host it. Perfect. And they said, oh, by the way, we also need someone to do balance beam. Uh, <laughs> so somehow I got talked into that, but I think that might have been my last show. Well, At the same time, I always say that, so you, you never know. It's like riding a bike for you. I mean, come on. You, you, could, uh, you could walk any balance beam anywhere, I'm sure. Uh, I would be clutching with both hands for sheer fright of dying. But uh, I do want to ask you about one other thing. You've got a foundation, the Shannon Miller Foundation, aptly named. And I understand that the the main thrust of it is fighting childhood obesity, yet another national scourge, which we have to really deal with. Tell me more about that. Well, I started the foundation in 2007. uh, And it really does focus on giving kids access to physical activity. And so it's it's a fairly local charity, but we were able to get nearly 10,000 children uh, into our running clubs. They are in-school running clubs. It doesn't cost the schools anything, and it allowed kids to get that physical activity during the day that they were missing because of um, the physical education being pulled out of, of schools. So we love doing that. Since that time, we've actually broadened the foundation to really focus on children's health issues. So um, certainly with regard to childhood obesity and giving kids access to physical activity, but also with regard to children's cancer, because that's certainly something near and dear to my heart. Thank you for sharing that as well. Well, at the beginning of our chat, I congratulated you on being an eagle, and uh, in case anybody missed the <laughs> reference, you went to BC Law, and are you currently practicing or what? I'm not. So I actually went to a law school in an effort to learn more before starting my company. Ah. And my company, is, which is separate than my foundation, we focus solely on um, women's health issues. So everything from um, physical fitness and nutrition to cancer awareness, diabetes, heart disease, um, all of those things. So I'm just a big advocate for, for health and wellness for women and primarily helping women make their health a priority. So you go to law school, but you don't necessarily need the the degree. You just wanted to bone up. So you go to one of the top <laughs> law schools in the country. It's amazing. You're how such much a I darn show off. You're <laughs> such a darn show off. Miss Perfection over. Here. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding, of course. Well, it's delightful to meet you, Shannon, and thank you for sharing uh, with so many of us uh, so much. And the website we really want to focus on is ourwayforward.com for those dealing with ovarian cancer and related issues. It's so important to have community when we're fighting this together. Thank you so much, and and good luck and great, great health for decades to come. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. An inspiring lady with a great story and a message of hope. We really appreciate it. Good luck, Shannon. Thanks to you for downloading and subscribing to the podcast. We're picking up listeners all over the world every single week. Also, thanks to Dan Tebow of Fast Twitch Media and Ken Carberry at Chart Productions in Boston. As you may have guessed, I love doing this podcast and can't wait till next week when I sit down with yet another creative and fascinating individual. Until next time, this is Jordan, as always, saying be well so you can do good. Take care.